0: I love a good story. A good story can motivate you, transport you, move you, uh, challenge you, teach you, transform you. When I think of some of the best lessons or most important lessons that I've learned in my life, many times those lessons have been taught to me through story. Oftentimes you can't change someone's mind or their opinion or even their heart by telling them something or by arguing with them as we've seen so robustly in our culture today, am I right? We see lots of arguments happening, I see lots of that happening, but I don't see much change coming from those arguments. But you give them a word picture, you tell them a story where they can see a concept or hear it in a different way, and then sometimes their eyes can be opened. Their hearts can be opened. Sometimes change will occur. Story is powerful. Stories create community and enable us to see through the eyes of other people and open us to the claims of others. That's why art is so powerful. Because art is just storytelling in different mediums, whether prose or poetry or comedy or drama or film or dance or music or visual arts, it's all storytelling. And you remember things better when they're attached to a good story. Like I said earlier, some of my most eye-opening moments have been through story. When I saw the musical Ragtime, it opened my eyes to racism and injustice and hatred in ways that I had never understood before. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of musical theater in my stories, okay? Just, you're all prepared for that, you know that. So, when I saw Les Mis for the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th time, it gave me more insight into what true mercy and forgiveness and humility can look like. My daughter Annie, who's a senior this year, actually wrote her college essay about the movie Lady Bird and how that impacted her life and taught her things about the mother-daughter relationship that she'd never seen before. She said some really nice things about me in the essay, by the way. So can you think of a story, whether a movie or a song or a or theater or a book or some other form that opened your eyes to concepts that you'd not, never seen before or opened your ears to ideas that you hadn't heard before? Can you think of one? Maybe you can think of many. Storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world today. I love this quote, but it's a little inaccurate because it's not just putting ideas into the world today. It has been that way since the beginning of time. The Bible is full of stories, powerful, rich stories, and some of the most powerful stories are the ones that Jesus used to teach his followers parables. And these parables were used to open the eyes and ears of his followers at that time, and they are still being used to open the eyes and ears of his followers today. And I cannot think of a time in my life where I have needed the words of Jesus more than I do right now. There are days that I wake up and I am desperate to hear from him. Maybe you feel that way too. And that's why I'm so excited to be in this series that Barry kicked off last weekend for us, Ears to Hear, looking at the parables of Jesus. Now this is a BYOB series, Bring Your Own Bible series, where we encourage you to dig deeper into the scriptures, discovering the worlds behind the text, of the text, and in front of the text. So I hope you have your Bibles with you today. If not, the scripture's on the app. And I hope those of you that are joining us online have a Bible, if not, go run around your house and find one. So parables aren't unique uh, to Jesus. The Old Testament prophets used parables. As a matter of fact, Jesus sometimes references the Old Testament prophets in his parables. But the parables were a key part of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is a prophet of God continuing the work that the Old Testament prophets started. So what's the definition of a parable? Well, Merriam-Webster Dictionary says a usually short, fictitious story that illustrates a moral attitude or a religious principle. According to this definition, the point of a parable is to take something unclear or unpersuasive and make them clear or persuasive toward a moral or religious point. However, the parables of Jesus have a few key differences from this common understanding. Instead of making points clearer, oh wow, oh, well that was like a bee or a hornet. I'm glad I had ears to hear that because he could have stung me. Okay, that was weird. Um, Why are they even here? It's cold. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Um, Hopefully our visitor doesn't come back in a few minutes. Okay. Oh, he's back. Where is he? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) This is very, okay. So we'll just pray he doesn't. Let me know if he comes back. Okay. Anyway, okay, so where was I? Uh, Jesus, so there's a few key differences. He, instead of making points clearer, people were often puzzled and surprised by Jesus' parables. Jesus' parables were head scratchers. I like the definition Barry gave us last week. A parable is a short story or illustration that gets across a deeper truth. Jesus used these parables, these stories, to preach deeper truths but he was going to make his listeners work for it. The parables are one of many ways that Jesus launched his mission of announcing and bringing into reality the reign and rule of God. I'm going to read this quote by N.T. Wright and hang with me. It's wordy, but it's really good. As part of his campaign, Jesus told stories They were, for the most part, not simply illustrations, that is, preacher's tricks to decorate an abstract thought or complicated teaching. If anything, they were the opposite. Jesus' stories were designed to tease, to clothe the shocking and revolutionary message about God's kingdom in garb that would leave the listeners wondering, trying to think it out. They were stories that eventually caused Israel's leaders to decode his rich message in such a way as to frame a charge against him, either for blasphemy or sedition or leading the people astray. Whatever the parables are, they are not, as children are sometimes taught in Sunday school, earthly stories with heavenly meaning. Rather, they are expressions of Jesus' shocking announcement that God's kingdom was arriving on earth as in heaven. They are first and foremost about the kingdom of God, the upside-down kingdom, and those with ears to hear would come to understanding, and those that didn't have ears to hear, well, they just wouldn't get it, and instead they would end up using Jesus' words against him, and that is still happening today. I am so disheartened to watch people use the words of Jesus, the beautiful words of Jesus against him. So instead of reading a parable and asking, how is this parable about me and my relationship to God, we should reverse it and ask, how is this about Jesus in his inauguration of God's kingdom When we start there, then we begin to see the new way of living that Jesus began with his announcement of the kingdom arriving through him. Jesus' parables are often thought about as moral stories. How do you live in the right way? But Jesus wasn't telling these so that you could have the right moral ideas. His primary focus was so that you understood what he was doing. And the gospel authors preserved these beautiful parables for us all about the kingdom and how it will come and how it will be received, explaining who Jesus was and what he was up to. Some of the concepts he reveals through these parables are the surprise of God's kingdom. They didn't expect the Messiah to enter this way. God's upside down kingdom, so contrary to how they lived then and how we live today. And God's kingdom requires a decision. There's a choice to be made. Will you follow him and help move the kingdom forward or not? These are concepts we're still grappling with right now. These are storehouses of treasures that can still be interpreted today. Jesus could make Bold claims that revealed truth to the people that were open-minded and conceal his message from those that were against him and buy him more time to prepare his followers for the biggest surprise, the kingdom through self-giving love on the cross. Those that were against him didn't get it. They couldn't understand. And he says in Matthew 13, 13, for they look, but they don't really see. For they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. We're going to dig into a couple of these parables in the book of Matthew. But first, I want to pray that we have ears to hear this morning. Because in Matthew 13, 16, he also says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I want to see, I want to hear. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I am praying first and foremost that I have heard correctly. That as I have prepared to speak today, that I have heard directly from you. That the Holy Spirit has met me and infused these words. That I have not manipulated anything or taken anything out of context. But all of what I'm going to say is breathed in through you that what I am saying are your words of beauty and truth. And Lord, I pray for those of us in this room and those of us online that we would have ears to hear what you have to say and hearts to understand what you are saying to us today, Lord. I pray this in your holy name, amen. So let's take a look at Matthew 13, verses 31 through 35, looking at the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. Now these are few short verses, but they are packed with truth. Starting in verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make its nest in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So these two parables are told in the midst of several parables that begin with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And they are the second and third parables of three connected parables. The first one is the parable of the wheat and weeds. It comes right before that. Take a look at that when you can. And for his listeners, these illustrations would be completely relevant. He's being followed by by fishermen and by farmers and by bakers. So they understand seeds and growth. He's talking to a big crowd at this point. It says earlier in the chapter that he went out and a big crowd surrounded him and he got into a boat and began speaking to them as they stood on the shore. I love that image of Jesus on this boat and the people on the shore and he's having to shout across because of course they didn't have microphones back then and he's shouting across and talking about wheat and weeds and mustard seed mustard seeds and yeast and these two parables Speak to both men and women, because they both were following Jesus at this time. The mustard seed is going to resonate with the men, while the parable of the yeast will speak to the women, because while men did a lot of other things, women did all of the baking. So they're going to understand that parable. And both parables focus on the ideas of expectation and patience. The mustard seed is this small little seed, but then it grows large enough for the birds to nest in it and find shelter. And the yeast, the actual word is zyme or leaven, it was old fermented dough. And Galilean women would keep these lumps of dough in a fermenting liquid and then work them into their new batch. And this fermented old dough would cause new dough to expand. The birds wait for the mustard seed to turn into a tree. The baker waits for the leaven to spread through the dough until the whole loaf is mysteriously leavened. Jesus' followers want the whole kingdom to come at once. They weren't interested in waiting. They had their own timetable. They weren't interested in God's timetable. They needed patience and their expectations were off. The kingdom is not gonna come in with a bang. It's a process like a growing bush and leavening bread, the surprise of God's kingdom. This wasn't how they expected. Jesus' ideas in ministry is so revolutionary, so contrary to culture, that it needs time to be absorbed, understood, and accepted. It's a process we are still in today. The way Jesus leads us into his love will always be slow and gentle because it depends on how ready and willing we are to accept or believe in it. We have a choice. God's kingdom requires a decision. Like the Jews of Jesus' time, we would like to see the kingdom as something spectacular that will convince everybody that it's true. Yet Jesus speaks of a tiny seed that will eventually grow into a tree that offers shelter to the small ones and yeast that takes time to spread throughout the new dough. God's upside-down kingdom. It starts out in a way no one expected Jesus coming as a baby to a a young virgin girl, poor, humble beginnings, small like a mustard seed, but eventually it will grow into a tree. He's referencing some Old Testament prophets here with this image of a small seed growing into a tree. Trees in the Old Testament represented great empires. In Daniel 4, it says, While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. All the world was fed from this tree. That's the kingdom of God. Very tall and strong for all the world to see. That's what this seed grows into. And Jesus says in the parable, it will have a place for the birds to nest and shelter. Birds almost always in scripture were negative images. He's using this negative image to say all would find shelter in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, there is room for everybody in my kingdom. All can find shelter in this kingdom. And then you have this old dough that once you took it and put it in the new dough, it would cause it to expand and grow. This kingdom will permeate the whole world. The baby in a manger, small seeds, leaven to where we are today think about it when jesus taught this parable god's kingdom on earth consisted of a few ragged fishermen and farmers and some bakers and they didn't even have the info we had to, we have today they didn't know what was to come the crucifixion and the resurrection and the coming of the holy spirit But in time, this kingdom has grown to reach nearly every single nation. It has grown just as Jesus said it would and there is room for everyone in this kingdom. These parables right now should be so comforting to all of us and encouraging to us. The kingdom of heaven has its own life source growing beyond all expectations While we might not be able to see the growth of the kingdom every day, it is growing both in the world and in the hearts of its believers. We could not stop the growth of God's kingdom any more than we could take the yeast out of a batch of dough or force a mustard plant back into its seed We cannot stop the movement of God's kingdom. Isn't that encouraging? It's so encouraging to me, especially right now. Listen to the promise that Paul wrote in Colossians 1. All over the world, the good news is bearing fruit and growing. It has been doing that among you since the day you heard it that is when you understood God's grace in all its truth. Friends, the kingdom of God is on the move. Have faith and be patient. Yes, I realize that we live most days with a low-grade fever of sadness. But let me tell you, If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should also be living with a low-grade fever of hope. Of hope. Like a small seed growing into a tree, or yeast spreading out and permeating an entire loaf of bread, Jesus' kingdom continues to grow. It may not be obvious to everyone, but those of us that have eyes to see and ears to hear, he says it at the end of these two parables in verse 34. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet I will speak to you in parables, I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. That's straight from Psalm 78. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We get to hear and understand things hidden since the creation of the world if we have ears to hear and hearts that are open to understand. This is what the people of God had been waiting for. This is what we've been waiting for. The kingdom of God is still moving right now, right here. Trust and know that the Holy Spirit is on the move, always. This is the kingdom that has and will continue to change the world. This is the kingdom that will change people's hearts. This is the kingdom that produces beautiful fruit. This is the kingdom that forgives sins and heals broken pieces and places and brings things back to life again and breathes hope into our world and moves people to mercy and determines destiny and redeems and reconciles, reconciles and rehabilitates and restores and relieves and reimagines and recreates. This is the kingdom of the crucified Jesus. This is the kingdom of the resurrected Jesus. This is the kingdom of self-sacrificing love this is the upside down kingdom this is the kingdom that we are all invited to be a part of this is the kingdom that I have put my hope and faith and trust in this is the kingdom where my allegiance lies this is the kingdom that I want to be a part of do you do you you can amen it's okay it's okay This is the kingdom that my allegiance is to. Nothing will change the world. Let me say it again. Nothing will change the world except the kingdom of God. That is the only kingdom with true life-changing power. And it is still at work right now. No matter what is happening in the world, No matter what is happening in your life, it may not be on your timetable. It may not be how you expected it, but the kingdom of God is at work today. The kingdom of God is still that growing tree. It is still that permeating dough. Can you see it? Can you hear it? As we close, I have a few questions for you to think about as you're pondering how this relates to you personally. Do you believe the kingdom is still on the move? How are you seeing it move right now? How can you be a part of this kingdom movement? How is God's kingdom growing in you? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life for the seed to grow in you personally? for the leaven to spread throughout you and through you for the world to see. How is God's kingdom growing in you? My friends, the kingdom of God is on the move, just like that hornet. (laughs) The kingdom of God is on the move. Have faith and be patient and be encouraged.